What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, I am your host. My name is Tim Birkbeck, and as always, it's been a pretty standard week for me, but we are finally seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, lockdown restrictions are starting to ease here in the UK. People are being able to go out and see friends and stuff. I'm hopefully going to be seeing some friends this coming weekend and then yeah let's hope for greener pastures I guess um I haven't got a whole lot to sort of talk about this week um as I'm recording this intro it is Sunday so I'm in the midst of watching a whole lot of wrestling watched NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver which was really fucking cool watched night one of Wrestlemania which was a lot better than expected, to be honest. Like, I'm always quietly optimistic going into WrestleMania, but the main event between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair was chef's kiss. Um, we're going to have night two tonight, so I can't tell you what that was like because I haven't seen it yet. But, yeah, wrestling is good. That's my statement, and I'm sticking by it. Um, as always, sort of new music-wise that I've been listening to this week, the new Brockhampton record is really, really fucking cool. Like, I've been one of the people that has slept on Brockhampton, but this new record um, called Roadrunner, Nightlight, New Machine is really, really cool. Um, what else has come out this week? A new poetry record is really cool. Sort of, like, heavy, sort of hardcore, thrash-infused stuff. Mutterings EP is really cool. Uh... But the main one I've been listening to is the new Rejoice EP. It's only four tracks, but yeah, really cool, sort of heavy hardcore stuff. So go check all of those wonderful things out. Um, going to keep this as short as possible as always. And we're going to get straight into this week's guest. And this one is, this was a really cool chat. So this week I'm joined by guitarist and vocalist of 100 Surveyu, Tom Schlatter. Um we get into all sorts of stuff in this conversation. We talk about sort of his obviously his early days getting into music, um, but the joy and excitement that kind of getting into file sharing has kind of brought him in, especially in the last year. Uh, we obviously talk about the you and I days, um, and how a certain very influential band on myself was kind of part of his scene, and he was part of said record. Will that will become clear during the conversation? Um, and how kind of hundreds of AU has kind of been accepted into this newer, younger wave of sort of screamo bands. Like Tom doesn't shy away from the fact he is a, an older gentleman in the scene, but there's this new, exciting wave of bands coming through and hundreds of AU have been very much accepted and adopted into that scene where they could have been shunned for being the quote unquote older guys. So, yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Tom. And I'll see you on the other side. Right, so joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is vocalist and guitarist of post-hardcore band Hundreds of AU, Tom Schlatter. Tom, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day. Um, how is everything in, in your world? Like, Obviously, we're in a weird kind of pandemic world but you seem to be still actively putting out music and stuff so have you been keeping yourself busy with with various stuff that you've got going on <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh 
it's been a year yeah. Um, yeah. since <laughs> uh, since we went into lockdown in the States here. Um, and uh, I think uh, at that point, uh, I, there was a lot of people saying like, oh, you know, it, it'll probably be like two or three months. Yeah. But uh, I, um, I had a suspicion that this was a long haul, uh, that this wasn't something that was going to be two or three months. And uh, yeah, so I, 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 I like to play music at home a lot and write songs by myself and collaborated with some friends before, like via file sharing. Mm. And uh, uh, so I just figured why not spend the year <laughs> with that and do a bunch of different projects with friends. And, and so, yeah, I've been keeping very busy with that. And it's been a great way to cope. Mm, yeah. Uh, with things you know so and on that kind of like because i think a lot of people even like um, yourself included we've even seen like new projects come out via as you say like file sharing and stuff and things and i don't mean this to to be disparaging but you are of an older gentleman you've been in music for for several years <laughs> so how have you found that kind of side of things rather than like being in a room with people making music like that you're kind of like just sat there doing your bit, sending it off into the ether and then f seeing the final project come back kind of thing. Um, it's, I guess you got to look at it in a different sort of light, uh, getting in a room together and playing and like playing, uh, writing this to like the way that a certain drummer or bass player plays and sort of like, locking in with that mm. style like that's that's like something that you can't replicate by file sharing yeah. and so like i kind of miss that but um but the results of people being able like i've had friends that have done some bands file sharing and like i've i've done a great bit of it this year and like the the results of it have been better than i anticipated mm. <laughs> um so i I think it's probably, um, as an older person, uh, it's probably something that um, I'll do more of as I age. Okay, yeah. And yeah. I don't have like, like right, like right now, I for hundreds of AU, I drive uh, three hours to band practice, mm. and uh, I do I practice with them maybe like once or twice a month. Um, other than that, the rest of my music is done via file sharing. Mm. And so once I'm, I'm uh, not of the mind to be able to do a long drive to band practice or something like <laughs> yeah. that, this, uh, this mode of writing music and collaborating might be like my main source of, of playing music. And, and so far, uh, some of my older friends as well, have have gotten in on it with me and they and and they enjoy it quite a bit too i think the other great thing about it is there's uh like i i was part of a project with a bunch of musicians from like there were some people from spain some people from italy and i did a collaboration with them um i have a friend in arizona i'm doing a collaboration with which is on the, the other side of the united mm. states so um so that's really great. You know, I'm getting to like write music with these people that normally if we had done a traditional band where we got together in the same room, it never would have come to fruition. Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. And just kind of on that, like 
the as you say the kind of idea of like playing music with people either on the other side of your own country or in a completely different country itself like because I'm not musically inept in any way like I do a bit of vocals and but that's just me screaming so that anybody could do that kind of thing <laughs> but like obviously well <laughs> but like in terms of kind of like musical structure and things like for instance the band that you said like members of like are in Spain and things like that where you're coming from different like cultural backgrounds as well is there kind of like a constant stream like stream of communication as to like what you want things to sound like and is it just like sending little sound bites and things like that like how does it all kind of come together well the uh the project that i was a part of with multiple people from um over in europe um was very much sort of like one person basically wrote the whole song right. on guitar and just put it up there to like a click a click track and then other people just contributed and kind of built this thing mm. you know it wasn't it wasn't so much like oh i have this one part what do you think would sound good after this right, like it okay. wasn't like a like as much of an interactive and i find that most of the projects that i do that are file sharing are not interactive in that in that way of like i wrote a part and then you wrote a part and then it's like it's more like someone writes a whole thing and puts it up there and then people add and take away right okay and sort of contribute um so like i i had played bass on a bunch of coma regalia uh releases this mm. year and sean would basically send me the songs with the drums and the guitars and uh and just asked me to play bass on them. Okay, and right. it was it was it was like Sean Sean would give me free range to sort of play whatever I want to play, but uh, but they had the songs like you know yeah 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 well sculpted out and so that's that's another part of like the uh, the file sharing I that's think cool. is like you can't you can't do as much back and forth <laughs> yeah. as you want to. Um, like with hundreds of AU, we had half of an LP done, and then uh, United States, uh, well, our part of the United States went into lockdown, and we were like, well, we can just call 2020 a wash and say that we'll get back to it when we can, or we can try to write the rest of this LP via file sharing. Mm. And so... Um, so we decided to do that. And the way we did it was like, I would write the songs with like some drum programming and stuff. I'd send them to the rest of the band. And then once a week, we'd have a Zoom call. Okay. And we would like rearrange the songs over Zoom. That's cool. And then I'd go back and like reprogram it and send it back. And like once we sort of got the songs where I wanted them to be in our respective places, like John recorded the drums and Paul recorded guitar and Justin recorded bass. And they would send me all the files and I would build these songs. And eventually we got like the, the last like five songs of the LP done, but we had never actually played them together like <laughs> yeah. in a room. <laughs> so we were like, well, like we want to record this and we want to put it out, but like maybe we should play them together 
first, you know, and kind of like see if like they actually work. So once um, once the the lockdown got called off and we were allowed to like move free freely um, with with masks on and with social distancing, we like got together in a really really big room mm. and like played and actually played the songs for the first time. That's cool. It was really weird to like play play all these like songs that we never played together in in the room you know um but they were done and like <laughs> yeah so it, it was kind of cool to like like get together and play them and on the first try like play it all the way through. that's cool and like and be like oh wow we played it you know <laughs> yeah. so um i don't know like and it's strange like like i guess um for the other projects that i'm involved with that are like that like a lot of them aren't like a full band. A lot of mm. them are like me and like two other people, or and, and it's usually like, like uh, you know, someone's playing multiple instruments, and it's people spread throughout the United States. So it's like we're never going to get in the same room and play them. Um, so I didn't have the opportunity to like to do this process where like we build music via file sharing and then eventually get in the same room yeah, and yeah. try to play it like uh hundreds of au was the only opportunity i had to like see if it actually worked <laughs> um so we were we were so proud of ourselves when it actually worked we were like wow we like wrote this virtually but it actually works in the room <laughs> this is crazy so um yeah that's cool um but that i mean it was one of those things like a lot of my friends bands um either A, didn't have access to technology or just like didn't really want to write that way mm. and just ended up just taking the year off. Yeah. And it's understandable. Um, I think uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Just, I don't know. It's just I like me, me, music is uh, it's it's like kind of a, a pretty large part of my mm. life. And I feel like to, to just like take a year off from totally being able to like collaborate or write with people would have been really hard on top of everything else that was <laughs> yeah. happening in the United States for that year. It was just, you know. No, that's fair enough. Well, we'll get into sort of why music is so important to you. And obviously like I always like to take my guests back to their kind of roots and their sure. starting point sort of thing. So what kind of got you into alternative music? Where was the jumping in point for you? Oh, uh, jumping in point was probably um, when I was young, uh, I'd say probably like eight or nine years old, I started to get into skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, in the 80s, this was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty old. So, <laughs> so, bear with me. so this was like mid 80s or so uh, I got into skateboarding and um, I would pick up skate magazines and they had ads for punk bands and right. stuff and some of the skate videos i would watch would have like punk music that i really liked but at eight or nine years old i i didn't have the the means to like uh to mail away for tapes and cds or lps or to like go to a store and buy those yeah. things so i couldn't like procure those things um my only way to like kind of access music was like the radio or um MTV. Uh, and at the time in the mid 80s, uh, the like sort of like aggressive music on MTV was kind of like 
what we know in the United States as hair metal yeah. or, or glam, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, which um, when you're eight or nine years old, like it's, it looks like this totally rebel, like rebellious <laughs> yeah. uh, thing, but it, it's really quite, uh, <coughs> quite, uh, I, I don't know, like ridiculous in a lot of ways <laughs> uh but at eight or nine years old that seemed like totally rebellious you know um and so like i i was watching mtv a lot and and kind of like watching that music um but it was it was very sort of like music that happens someplace else it wasn't music that i pictured my like i didn't picture myself wearing like spandex pants <laughs> growing my hair long because it's just like I was just a normal person and that that all just seemed like very not something I could do yeah. and probably it wasn't until like the early 90s when um like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and like all that stuff got really big and bands like Nirvana and Sonic Youth and Dinosaur Jr. just looked like me and my friends mm and like they dressed like me and my friends and they skateboarded and like their songs weren't very hard to play. There weren't like raging guitar solos or anything. And I was like, that music kind of seems a little bit more yeah. accessible yeah. and like something that maybe me and my friends could do. And so that's kind of what got me into like playing in bands mm. hey, well, because it kind of seemed like, oh, wow, like I could yeah. do that, you know? So. so what got you into, into skateboarding in the first place? Um, when I was a kid, my family moved and we moved to this neighborhood where a bunch of kids were skateboarding. Okay. And it was kind of like you're, if like you're the new kid in an, in like this neighborhood and you want to be friends with everybody else, uh, you just say, okay, well, what are these kids up to? And so I started skateboarding. Cool. Um, I, there was something about it that re re resonated with me that, um, that team sports didn't really like mm. do for me, you know? Um, and I guess there was like something about the like institutionalized notion of the way that team sports are kind of done in the United States, like with the school and stuff yeah. like that, that like skateboarding was like more of an independent uh, means of, of like developing like your creativity and your survival skills. Mm. Uh, so there was a lot of like, you know, figuring out like turning uh, like prop property into uh, a fun thing to skate. Yeah. Like, like looking at like a building and saying like, oh, there's like a set of steps there and a handrail, like I'm, that's cool. I'm gonna go skate that. Like, and then also having like these survival skills of being able to like run from the cops when you're getting kicked <laughs> yeah. out and stuff like that. So there was something that just really appealed to me about it that team like team sports didn't didn't have, mm. you know. Um, I I would say from that point, from like eight or nine years old, so probably about like thirteen or fourteen years old, I was skateboarding like every day. Uh, I would leave the house on the weekend at like Saturday at like 10 a.m. and come back at like 8 p.m. just like skateboarding all day. Yeah. And it, it, it takes you on these crazy 
adventures that you don't know you're going to get into mm. <laughs> and like sometimes it's bad and sometimes it's good so. do you still yeah. do you still kind of keep up with it like today or or not so much yeah um i we have a couple of skate parks in the area that i'm in now mm. and so i will go and skate there once in a That's while cool. um at 42 years old nice. it hurts a lot more <laughs> when like when when you fall it's like it's it's like the end of the world. Yeah, it takes like, you a little you, longer to get like, up. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I still I still really like it a lot. And um, I watch I, for a little while. I, I think Vice Magazine was doing these like profiles mm. from different skateboarders. And it was just so cool to watch. Yeah, yeah. Like even the people I had not heard of before, it was just like, oh yeah, I want to see how this person got into it and how that you know. Was I, so it's always to me it's skate skateboarding is one of those things that's like always like inspiring to me mm. you know like it's just watching people develop their ability and how the envelope is constantly pushed yeah you know like like tricks that like we wouldn't even think possible in like 1985 that people are doing today are just it blow it just blow it blows yeah, my mind yeah. so. And it's quite funny because like it's one of the things that so like I've always been fascinated with it, but I have no coordination or balance, so I can't <laughs> I can't do it for for myself. But I've always loved skating. But when lockdown kind of started over here, I got back into sort of like watching like YouTube videos and and things like that, and like it kind of became part of my daily routine of like. I'd wake up, I'd make my breakfast, I'd put on like a 15 minute like skate clip sort of thing on YouTube and stuff. And like, as you say, you discover all these like brand new, well, to me, brand new skaters who are doing this stuff that's absolutely mind blowing. So it's, it's, I love that kind of world and that community as well. So it's, it's like, it, I, I definitely got into that routine too, where I would just watch like 15 minutes of skating and just be like, wow, this is like, it, it, it's, I mean, it's different in so many ways than like, if you were to sit down and just like watch like basketball clips yeah. or soccer clips or something like it's like, it's just got such a different vibe to it. And it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, but I, I, I definitely fall into the same thing like i will <laughs> yeah. sit there and watch some skate clips and be like i i'll never be able to do any of this stuff but this is yeah yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah so then from kind of like as you mentioned discovering bands like nirvana dinosaur jr pearl jam and stuff like that where does the the trajectory go into kind of like the more kind of heavier punk side of things like where does that kind of fall into start into place well like like when we found um like nirvana and sonic youth and stuff like that i i was i was playing with some friends in in a band that we were in like eighth grade and we were playing in in a band and we were we were looking for songs that we could play that like were easy enough for us to play right and um one day i forget who it was but the drummer to my band was just like hey there's this band called the misfits and all i think i could play all of their songs on drums and i took a listen to it and i was like oh my god these songs are like four chords (laughs) 
like this is great and i think we learned like probably like 10 of the songs from i think it was walk among us yeah yeah um and like the next month or so like we learned like uh, you know and then and we were like well the we've like exhausted that so let's let's move to like black flag because the misfits like thanked black flag and like a a liner note or something so like we were like all right let's let's find that and so we were doing like a lot of like the traditional punk for a little while and then um and that's sort of like uh I think basically like there's a natural sort of evo like you listen to Black Flag, then you listen to Minor Threat, yeah. and then you and then you find like all this, yeah. So it kind of opened up. And I think at first I was getting into it just as a way to be like, what are um what are some bands that that wrote some stuff that like me and my friends could play, just to like learn to play. Uh but then when I started to get into like minor threat and like uh youth of today and like uniform choice and like these these like early 80s straight edge bands um i was like kind of like it seems like there's something else there just besides these people playing music and writing like there's there's definitely like there definitely seems to be like a philosophy Mm. behind these bands and i want to learn more about that and I think that that was kind of like the, what threw me into it was getting into that early to mid eighties, kind of like straight edge hardcore that was happening, Washington DC and New York and in Southern California. Right. Okay. Um, I, cause it was like, you could listen to Nirvana and the music is easy to play, but like, and I'm, you know, I'm sure there's people that like have mapped out and was trying to say, mm. but to us, the lyrics didn't create any like life philosophy or ideology or like anything for us to look into really. Uh, it wasn't until I was probably like listening to that faster hardcore that it was like, oh, wow, these these kids have like the same problems as me. Yeah, yeah. And they're talking about them and this is cool and, you know, kind of. So I think that that's, and I think from that point on, I was just trying to find like any like fast, hard, hardcore band, mm. you know, and I was listening to like all the, all the like new, new, like New York hard, hardcore bands yeah. and like seeing what I liked from that. Um, and, it, and so it, there's like a natural sort of like when you're that age and this is like pre, uh, internet so you can't just like go online and like (laughs) try things out you have to like actually go to the store and buy it and if and if it's you know like it was such a gamble like we bought (laughs) so much bad stuff because you couldn't try it out you know like you're like oh well i'll 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 check this out and it'd be like nope (laughs) Uh, you know there's like five five bucks down the drain like it was like so like you really had to commit to trying to find stuff that you liked. Um, it's kind of also the like, reverse of it because like you've invested the money in it. You're like, it's almost like that determination in your brain is like, no, I will like this. And you kind of force yourself <laughs> to like it kind of thing. You know, I had, I had a friend, Paul, who was on a, po- a podcast like, uh, like a week ago and he was t- talking about that, about how 
he I forget what band it was, but he bought their LP because like he really liked everything on Epitaph and like some of the stuff on Epitaph wasn't so good, but he would buy it and be like, no, I'm going to make myself like this. <laughs> like, cause I spent 12, $12 on it. Like, um, yeah. yeah. So in terms like you mentioned, obviously like discovering sort of like the music through kind of like MTV and, and stuff like that. But like in terms of you actually playing, like was guitar always the instrument that you wanted to play or did you kind of like dabble with anything else beforehand that led you to guitar? Well, guitar is like is like the eh, let me think about it for for somebody who came up in music in the eight eighties uh, watching like glam bands mm. on MTV. Guitar is like okay, I'll play guitar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, uh, if there was a different style of music that was predominant at that time, that like that had a different instrument i probably would have chose something else <laughs> but it was like guitar seemed like the predominant sort of instrument of that time mm. like there was always like the cool shots of the guitar player yeah like uh like standing on a cliff doing a guitar solo or something <laughs> like um so it was like oh yeah but i so i i played guitar for quite a while in bands and I only I like pretty much like exclusively played guitar for a very long time and then uh like 2010 or 2011 I forget which um my friends were starting a band and they needed a bass player and um and I I had never played bass in a band before but like all the people in the band were nice people and I wanted to like be in a band yeah. with them and um so I asked them if I could play bass for them there's this band called capacities mm. and um and they were like yeah okay like and so i i like borrowed a bass from my friend and i started i like met 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 up with them to to, to practice practice with them and i and i played bass and i was like i should have picked up bass first <laughs> like it was like so much cooler of an of like an experience to play to play bass like i just loved it i absolutely was like in love with bass and i was like i'm never playing guitar in a band again <laughs> like i love bass this is great and so like after like when i started playing in capacities it was like every band for a while until hundreds of au i was just i like i i played bass because i was just like i am a bass player now. like i want to play <laughs> bass like that's that's my thing so i so i for bass i played in a band called capacities i played in a band called what of us and i played in an instrumental band called new york in 64 mm -hmm. and i miss playing bass so much <laughs> like i i don't play bass in a band right now and like i i it's a bummer <laughs> yeah. so then in terms of kind of like I'm jumping forward a little bit, but just because I want to kind of get the, the musical story. Obviously, sure. you, you do vocals in, in hundreds of AU and you've done it in the past and stuff. So where did that kind of element kind of come into it? Have you always kind of wanted to, to try that or oh. was it kind of a a, a necessity no, I, kind of element? So like when I was a kid in like, you know, learning those Nirvana songs and those like Misfits uh, songs and stuff like that, um, couldn't really find somebody to like 
sing for your band in right. like eighth grade or ninth grade. So like just by default, I would have to sing. Okay. And I didn't, I I didn't like to, and I I had no like passion for it really. But it was sort of one of those things like, well, nobody else is gonna do this, so I guess I'll do it. <laughs> um, but then for for a long while, I was in bands where I didn't do vocals mm. at all, and it was great. I, it was for a very long time. Um, yeah. So then before we kind of move on to like where you were sort of started playing in like active bands and, and doing shows and stuff, just because, as you mentioned, like you discovered bands like Youth of Today and Minor Threat and, and stuff like that. And you've mentioned kind of like that kind of New York hardcore sound. And obviously, like if people were just to take you on face value for like the bands that you've done and the bands you're in now, like they may not necessarily connect the dots but obviously you grew yeah. up like new jersey which isn't too far away from new york city so were you kind of part of that world like during those early days of the new york hardcore scene were you going to shows then or was it kind of an alien world to you um it was it was like by the time i got into hardcore probably like 90 93 or so the whole sort of like early New York hardcore thing was kind of done. Right, okay. Um, and so, like, my introduction to actually going to hardcore shows, and I think that this is kind of the cool thing about it, was, like, I liked a lot of, like, fast, like, hardcore, you know, like, um, like that 80s, like, style of hardcore. But I had also had this background in, like, alternative music music mm. you know and i really liked like sonic youth and dinosaur jr and stuff like that like um and so when i first started going to like diy hardcore shows they it was like a lot of bands from like that kind of had a what we would call in the united states kind of like the ebullition uh records sound mm. so it was kind of like i'm not sure uh like still life and like moss icon and like bands like yeah. that so like when i started going to shows early on i was seeing bands like that kind of sounded like that um and it was it was like oh wow like these bands sort of have a little bit of like what alternative rock had mm. but then again like they're also very like raw and straight forward too yeah. kind of like like the punk stuff and it was mixing all the like these things that I liked. And so like, I, I never, it's weird. Cause it's like today, like people get into like screamo exclusively yeah. or they get into like fast hardcore exclusively. They like hardcore is no longer like an umbrella that has all these things in it that people like can get into. So like at the time, once I really started to go to shows and stuff, like I'd go see like Earth Crisis one weekend and then the next weekend, like Rainer Maria. And then the weekend after that, like Boy Sets Fire. And then the weekend after that, like Groundwork and, and 400 Years and bands like that. So like it, everything was accessible, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so like I, I picked up like all the different kind of like sub genres of hardcore. I think what what I probably what probably got 
me out of the like New York hardcore thing was like there were bands that were like the second wave of that and it was all very sort of like tough yeah you know it was (laughs) like it was like a lot a lot of like really big dudes with basketball jerseys on just like (laughs) eating the shit out of each other and uh and I was like I'm just not I'm not that guy you know like I I I like some of those bands. I like to like listen to some of those bands. Like I could listen to Burn or like Sick of It All, but I'm not that guy that's gonna like have a white tank top with a bunch of tattoos (laughs) and like go to a show and beat the shit out of a bunch of people in the pit. You know, like I, so some of it was like what kind of atmosphere is being created uh, at the shows that these bands are playing. And if I like it, that's probably the stuff that I'm gonna end up gravitating to more. And I would say more of like the screamy, screamo, chaotic stuff uh, had like this atmosphere of like people weren't trying to beat the shit out of yeah, each other yeah, and yeah. like, you know, um, and and so that stuff kind of became more of my go-to. Mm. I'd say. It's quite interesting you say that, like, that obviously nowadays, as you say, there's people that kind of listen like exclusively to like either screamo or like fast hardcore or something like that i find that quite interesting because like i always kind of and i might just be like stroking my own ego a little bit but i find like within (laughs) like my like my friendship group i'm kind of like the anomaly because like i'll listen to like straight edge hardcore but then i'll listen to like screamo and then i'll listen to a bit of rap and i'll listen to a bit of like old school emo and stuff like that whereas like there are people in my friendship like within those groups who are like completely separate from each other so there's like i'll have my straight edge friend of groups i'll have my screamo <laughs> friends and this is sort of like i'm the one that connects the dots this is sort of like yeah it's weird i and i think you can tell by uh i'm not sure what it's like over there but in the united states it's like if like if like ostraka is playing a show it's going to be four bands opening up that sound just yeah. like Ostraka. Like, and it, and whereas in the 90s, like, it wasn't like that. You know, you'd go to, you go to a show in the 90s and like, it was totally like five bands that don't sound anything alike on the same bill, but they're all friends. They're all like DIY bands. And there's something about each of them that you could like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, that was really cool to me. Now it's like, and don't get me wrong, I love Ostraka. This is, <laughs> but like, but like, it would be cool to see like Ostraka play with like a band that, with like some other bands that maybe don't sound. Exactly yeah, yeah, like. yeah. No, I, I so totally like, get that. So. so then, in terms of you like playing music, could you say kind of like sort of playing early on, like doing sort of like the punk bands got that you were sort of like influenced by misfits and stuff but what would you kind of say was your first quote-unquote like proper bands that was like actively doing stuff going out and doing shows what was that um it's it's hard to say so there was i was in like a like there there was this band in in my town that was like kind of doing the whole like vegan straight edge like metalcore sort of thing okay, yeah, yeah. and they needed a second guitar player and they were trying to be 
and, and this is the thing like in the 90s there would be these bands that like they wanted every member of the band to be vegan yeah, yeah. and straight edge and wanted like their thing to be that they were a vegan straight edge band and um and i met these kids because like my the punk band i was in played with them and they found out that i was straight edge and vegetarian at the time i was like i think i was like 15 or 16 at the time mm. and uh and they were like we need a second guitar player and that's the only guy in this town who's straight edge <laughs> and vegetarian <laughs> so they asked me to play second guitar for them now like i had never played that style of music before and i had and i didn't really like listen to too much of it yet because i was still i was still into like the faster stuff at that mm. point and um hadn't got into this like burgeoning scene of like earth crisis and ch chokehold and like all these bands that were happening and then so i joined the band and sort of like learned how how to play like that style of music <laughs> just to like um just to be in the band yeah and that band um the other people in the band were quite older than me they were like 22 23 okay. um and so like they had plans to like play shows and go on tour and like uh, have somebody put their stuff out for them and stuff. And so for me, um, I didn't have a lot of like, uh, I, I didn't really have like anything to do with like setting up the shows or like doing any of that mm. stuff. Cause it was these kids who had been in hardcore bands before who like, had their contacts and stuff like that and so I was just like this like 16 year old kid that was kind of like along for the right <laughs> yeah um so that like that band played and toured and stuff but the next band that I was in was this band called Instill and um that was a band that I joined and at that point was more confident in like oh yeah like I can call people on the phone because there was no email yeah. yet and like try to get us on shows or I could like call a studio and see if we can like go record and so that was like the first band that like I was actually having a hand in like the DIY side mm. of like making things work um and so that was called Instill and it was probably like 1995 or 1996 um that 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 I was in that mm. band and, and then when in like when Instill broke up then three of us from and still started this band called you would die yeah. and um and that was from like 1996 to like nine, nine, uh, 1999 yeah. and that band was very much like i had a huge part in like making the calls and the emails and doing all the stuff that like you had to do to like be in a band yeah yeah and, um yeah so in terms of that vegan straight edge band you said like doing a little bit of touring with with yeah. them so what was that kind of obviously maybe not necessarily akin to the, as you mentioned the music that you were necessarily familiar with playing and stuff like that but what was that kind of experience like going out on your first tours and, and stuff like that <laughs> uh it was really weird um so i grew up in like the sub, sub uh suburbs in new in new new jersey and um it it was work working class mm. um sort of just like not really a metropolitan area right. or, or urban area um 
and it was that band was probably the first time I got to like tra- travel yeah. and um, and kind of go into like more metropolitan or urban uh, areas um, of the United States and kind of like get exposed to like how people live and like the poverty that was happening like in different parts of the United States. Um, and I think also too like being in a band with people that weren't I mean they were like five six years older than mm. me but at that point in life it's a huge gap yeah, yeah. because like when you're 15 16 years old you live with your parents and then you're with kids who like survive on their own <laughs> at 23 yeah. you know like um it's different and we have we had different like priorities and stuff um I think that the 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 sort of like going out on the road and seeing how touring works and stuff and and just sort of like all right we're gonna drive for like 12 like 8 to 12 hours today to play a show to like 30 kids and then sleep on some really gross disgusting floor tonight (laughs) and then wake up tomorrow and just do the whole thing again um there was like there was that process of like being like man this is terrible <laughs> but also like by the end of it being like that was awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. like I w- i'd like to go do that again you know and like that process of like while it's happening like you're complaining about it and then at the end you're just like that's a lot better than like going to school <laughs> on mon- mon- monday and like sitting through class or like you know like it was like um so there was a lot of like growing up that took place with just being exposed to different like areas of the United States mm. and, and everything outside of like my working class little suburban life. And then also just learning like there's more like there's there's learning experiences that I could have that are much more valuable outside of a classroom yeah. um, through DIY. Um, so that like as much as like I don't look back fondly on like the music or like the experiences with like uh, some of the people in the band Mm. it was like it was definitely a growth experience that I'm glad that I had (laughs) and just while we're kind of on that just because I'm interested are you are you still straight edge yeah so like I always find it interesting like people's kind of relationship with it like because I'm straight edge as well and I think like oh okay a lot of people have different sort of takes on it and sort of relationships with it and again not being rude but you you're an older gentleman that i know <laughs> not rude but, uh, but obviously like that's kind of like what i aspire to is like when i'm older like i still have the values that i kind of abide by and kind of stick to sort of thing so like for you personally like what's the your kind of relationship with it and like because again like on the surface of it like if you were to listen to a hundreds of au if that was your first introduction of your music you wouldn't necessarily be oh this is written by some dude who's straight edge kind of thing so <laughs> so like what's your kind of relationship with it um well so like when at, at like what age did you start identifying at 18 as straight edge 18 okay so um, for context i'm 31 oh okay all right great so I started to identify as straight edge at like 14, 15, mm. I guess. Um, right around when I started to listen to all that yeah. like 
master hardcore and kind of figured out that there's this name for this thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, um, I think, I think partially, I felt out of place among like party culture in school and didn't really like have much interest to like gravitate towards it and felt sort of weird about that because like when you're not like everyone else you tend to feel kind of weird um and then to sort of like find find this like ideology or philosophy that like names this thing and says hey there's more people that that subscribe to this and feel this way so you're not as weird as you think you are i think at like 15 years old that's a very like powerful thing mm. because at 15 you are trying to like form an identity for yourself as like a person you're trying to figure out like what makes you you and what are the things you believe in and the characteristics that you believe in and stuff and like i think straight edge was maybe one of the first things that at 15 were was helping me to like solidify an identity of some sort yeah. for myself um of course i think also too there's a very like at 15 your maturity is like down <laughs> yeah. you know like so there's there's like definitely like like a phase i could remember of of of, of subscribing to the like like i'm straight edge so fuck you you know like <laughs> yeah. uh, uh you know that that and I think as I got older, um, it it's not so. It's like the the idea of not drinking or not doing drugs was never something I had to like work to keep doing. Mm. Um, so it's not it's not something that like like I have friends that are uh, reco uh, recovering uh, drug addicts and like they have to go to like a meeting once every three yeah. days and they have to like work on it and it's something that they really every day they wake up and like they work to stay sober for me it was never something i had to work on it was just like oh this is just my default state yeah yeah or whatever um so um i think once i realized that i was like well why am i why would i subscribe to this like hang angry part of it i'm not angry at somebody like i'm not angry at, <laughs> yeah. at somebody who drinks like this is dumb like all these bands that have these songs about like trying to beat people up that drink or something it just seems like really so i think like it just like realize like i don't need to build an identity based on like like being uh being uh opposed to what somebody else does yeah I think it's just like an identity based on like what what feels right for me personally. Mm. Um, and then I think also like what comes with that is like the the sort of like research and kind of looking into the fact that like drug policy and mental health and uh, um, drug addiction are not as simplistic as some 1985 straight edge <laughs> song tried yeah. to make it out to be. Um, there's a lot um, about um, drug policy and like, at least in the United States, our country's history with drug policy and how uh, it, 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 it takes care of, of, of people who are in recovery or people who are suffering from, uh, from 
um, mental health problems. Like there's a whole history there of, of things that are very complicated that like, it's not just as black and white as like, I don't drink. So you drink and you suck. Like it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah. so um, to me, I, I think like, it's not necessarily something that like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to like X up my hands and like go yeah, into yeah. the pit and fucking beat people up. Like, it's just like, this is just my default state of being. Yeah. <laughs> and at, at, like, it's like, whatever, you know, yeah. like I, I, I don't drink. And if like, I've definitely been in some situations where people kind of get offended that I don't drink or something. Mm. And I'm just like, I don't know, dog, like that's on you. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. if you're offended by it, like I, I, I you know, like I've definitely <laughs> had that before. Like, where there was a place where I used to work like for my day job and there was very much like a drinking culture like you'd finish your shift and you'd go to the the like to the pub go, and go, go to the pub yeah, yeah. and yeah. like I'd go along just to like for the social aspect but like there'd be people who were like well why aren't you drinking it's like I, I don't want to and they they'd, <laughs> they'd be like so baffled and confused it's like yeah this is just me sorry <laughs> I mean the the coolest part about that and i'm not sure if they do this at at, at like the pubs uh where where you are but here in the united states if you walk in with like a group of people and everybody drinks and you walk up and say like i'll just have a coke or like i'll have a sprite or something they'll give you all of your drinks for free oh no they don't do that here. <laughs> uh, so here they just assume that i'm the designated driver right and okay and so that's that's like an honorable thing to do. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you're sac you're 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 sacrificing for the team, so you get all of your drinks for free. <laughs> so like for the whole night, I get all these like non-alcoholic drinks for free. <laughs> but it's like I'm not the designated. I just this is just yeah, me. This yeah. is, you know. But no. So they don't do that at the pubs by no. you because <sighs> so Bummer. because here like soft drinks are high value. Like they price them up like so like because they make so yeah. much money off them so like like if i guess if you go to a pub like like a like if you were to ask for a coke is it like five like five quid there like, like yeah about coke? three four for like yeah. so three four yeah. okay it's about that's that's what it's about like if you were to pay for yeah. it yeah yeah here it's, it's the same <laughs> way yeah <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> um but anyway so back onto like the music side of things like obviously you say you kind of do that band and i think Kind of like posthumously, I found out that you were part of this band. But obviously, you mentioned earlier, like you and I was kind of the next kind of biggest stopping point. And I felt like yep, I lost you. Oh. I I lost you for a sec. No, just, that's just cool. repeat that. That last. Um, just saying, like obviously, like you and I was kind of like the next kind of big stopping point in the journey, kind of thing. And like, I was a little bit young for when you were an active band, and as I say, kind of discovered you like posthumously and things like that and but i think it's interesting the the relevance that bands kind of had where we are now and like people quote it as an influence on what they're kind of doing sort of now in 2020 2021 and, and things like that but for you at the time like and okay i know you said like the, you've had from the straight hardcore band you had in still and then kind of you and i but like the the transition into what you and I was like were you kind of always leaning towards that more kind of like screamo post-hardcore sort of style of music like where did that kind of come into things 
Um, I think like when Instill broke up and Justin and John and I wanted to start a new band, um, I think that we were all pretty much not into the idea of, of like settling on a specific genre right. of music to play. So like back then, it like it was like you were an emo band or you were a hardcore band or you were a punk band. Like nobody really took a bunch of things together and put them together. There was like a few bands that did that. And so like, I think like you could hear a little bit of it on like Petitioning in the Empty Sky mm. by Converge. Um, and maybe like there was a band from California called Reach Out and, and they had a little bit of that too. And I was sort of like, well, I don't want to just play just emo or just like heavier hardcore. Like I, I'd like to do a whole bunch of things, yeah. you know? And so like you, 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 you and I was sort of like trying to construct this, this sort of thing that took into account a little bit of what everybody wanted to do. And I think as a result, it was probably sort of like the early sort of structure for like what second wave of like the, what the second wave of like screamo was mm. because it's like before us like we had listened to like portraits of past and like union of uranus and like um one i got prophecy and like all those bands and we really liked all those yeah. bands a lot <clears throat> and um we were just like kind of taking some of those influences but also taking some influences from like indian summer and bands like that and then also saying like well i also like like groundwork and like in, in tavern and bands like that and like just sort of like everything we like just putting it in there and we started to do that and there wasn't really anybody else uh in our little scene of bands who like was trying to do that until we met up with Seisha uh, mm. and Seisha was the other band like in our sort of area that was kind of like oh they'd have the crazy loud parts and then the nice quiet clean parts and then like a bunch of off time stuff and then like it was like oh wow like this band is doing like kind of like this thing that we want to do too and like I don't think we had any conscious sort of not, not knowledge that we were playing like post hardcore or screen screamo or anything like that because nobody was putting that tag on us yeah. at that point we were just like playing a bunch of stuff we liked and <laughs> yeah. um the thing about that band was like we would play shows like a lot and sometimes like yeah there'd be like a good amount of people at the shows but like for the most part it was not as glamorous as like you think it would be yeah yeah um, and so like when the band got done it was really weird to hear people like talk to me about how influential it was because it was like oh I feel like we mostly played to like 25 kids in a basement yeah well, like, that, well that's why I was going like... to ask because like you mentioned like Seisha like they were another band that at their time like just from sort of like reading things and, and stuff like they weren't necessarily quote unquote accepted or anything like within that time period but we're years down the line now and they're kind of like heralded as like one of the screamo gods kind of thing and it's just like yeah. is it 
and because of the like you and as well like members of Sasha as well are still in active bands is it weird that like people are still going oh and you and I man that's fucking sick and stuff like that is it is it <laughs> is it a weird thing um, it's so there's like there's two types of people so there's people like my age who will come up to me and be like, oh, like when I was 18, like I loved your band. And I'll be like, cool, here's like my new band. And they'll be like, nah, <laughs> you know, like they don't want any, like, like for them, like Screamo took place in between 1997 and 1999. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And after that, they don't want to hear anything about it. Um, the, the like quote unquote, like young, like younger kids that I meet now, uh, like if like there are bands from New Jersey, like Mass and Era, um and like um fluoride and like some of these like awesome just like really good younger bands and some of like those kids will will come up to me and talk to me about that sometimes but they're also into what's happening now right like, yeah, like yeah. to them like like they're like they found out about hundreds of au first yeah and then went back and were like, oh, yeah, it looks like you were in a band like when you were a kid, too, that like people liked. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> and and like um, so like I find that the like the people that are playing this style of music now, like sometimes that they'll talk to me about it. But for the most part, they're they're more interested in what's happening. Yeah. Now, yeah. And they're like, yeah, like like I think like when bands started to do and stuff like that like when um like there was like a little bit of like a like oh wow like you know people wanted to see like majority rule and like city of caterpillar yeah. and stuff and which like, i saw both of think, so. <laughs> yeah and uh, like i i think people were were stoked on going to see jerome's dream in like 20, 20, 2019 but i don't think that it took away from like what new bands sort of like like bands I'm seeing now that I really like, like Eyelet or like uh, Peterson or like, you know, like these these bands that I think are just amazing that are coming out now, that are putting stuff out now. Like, I don't think people are, ups I, I I don't think people in like the Screamo scene or whatever have like reunion fever. No, I don't know. Like not, not paying attention to what's happening now. Uh, and so that's really cool. Hmm. Like a lot of like the young, the young, crop of bands that are happening now like are are phenomenal yeah yeah. and just going back to kind of a point you made is and i brought up that you've got this sort of like new wave of bands but some of them are dipping their toe into like you and i as an influence and things like that so have you ever come across or even played with bands that may not like necessarily because obviously like a lot of bands when they're kind of getting off the bat they'll put for fans of whoever and like you see some bands put for fans of you and I but like have you ever played with a band and you're like hang on a minute that's that's a riff I wrote when I was like <laughs> so have you, has that ever happened um, no I think that like um there's probably like only so many ways that you could structure chords and i'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. like people are gonna use stuff but like it's never happened like blatantly uh to me i think like there's just been times when like uh and it hasn't ha- happened much but there'll be times i'll be watching a band i'll be like these guys much to watch some of the old like bit videos <laughs> from back then because yeah. it's like 
it's like the music, but also sort of like the the screaming into the air yeah. and like the screaming into the pickups and like there's like the moods that I think that have been like curated throughout the past 30 years or 25 years or whatever of that style of music. But uh, I I never really thought of myself as like responsible mm. for any of it per se. I think like I I think I feel like a little bit of responsibility sometimes for like the whole sort of like mainstream of that like because um i'm giving myself way too much credit here but uh i i had i i had lived with this guy who sang for this band and and they were like a, a melodic sort of like hardcore band and 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 i i started to like expose him to different bands and like we started to play shows together and stuff and he was in this band called Thursday. And that, that little band called Thursday. <laughs> yeah. And then and then like like they they were recording and they called they called me and they're like, hey, like we need somebody to scream uh like on these songs. Cause it's like we're all trying to scream and we just can't get that like scream that like that like your bands do. Like, do you think you can come down and scream on this? I'm like, yeah. And I had no idea, but they were like recording an album that was going to come out on Victory, mm. and like, which is which at the time in like 2001 was like a pretty big deal. And so I went and I like screamed on these songs, and it kind of turned them from like a lot of hardcore songs into like screamo yeah. songs. But they were like much more polished and much more like song structure wise, like more palatable to like. A larger audience and that when that re re record came out it was called full collapse like that got huge yeah 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 and it like took this it, and it kind of took like what screamo was happening in the basement and stuff and it kind of gave it this palatable sort of presentation for other people and i think one of the weird things was like you know like i i'd like be like I was working at a high school at that point mm. and like I would see kids with like Thursday t-shirts on <laughs> and it was like oh like this is weird because like they probably got into them because of full collapse yeah. and like I'm on that record this is kind of weird you know it was like but like it, I didn't, wouldn't tell anybody about it but that like it was kind of strange to see like quote-unquote scree screamo become like like mainstream mm. at that point you know and I mean and kind of see like how there was like this whole like fashion and aesthetic that went with it and like all this other stuff that like was very mar mar marketable but like not anything that i was interested yeah. in per se you know like um because didn't you do yeah. a load of shows with thursday yeah yeah i mean i think all five of those guys are really good people mm. and i like at the for the time that i lived with jeff like i got to to know to know those guys and they're all really great guys like i think that they were just like well we could graduate college and get boring jobs or we could try and play the play in this band and make a career out of this and like they had the opportunity to do that so they were like let's do mm. it you know so um jeff jeff sometimes talks about how like they never really wanted to be like a screamo yeah. band <laughs> So I think that was kind of my fault. <laughs>
So that's that. That's why I think like they asked me to scream on that, but I don't know if they knew what they were getting yeah, yeah. into. You know, because what 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 tracks are you on of interest? Uh, Cross out the eyes and autobiography of a nation. Right. Okay. Because I am one of those kids that like Thursday was my my entry point to screamo, and yeah, and you're not the first person that has told me yeah. that, and that 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 like. That is kind of cool because it's like, I don't know, like I listen to your podcast a lot and like thank you. I've been I've been listening to your podcast for a while. And then to hear you be like, oh yeah, I got into Scream Screamo because like I heard you scream <laughs> on a song. Like uh, like for it to to think of like, oh wow, like this this like Tim who's doing this podcast that I really like a lot, like got into Screamo because he heard a song I screamed yeah. on. Like I'm honored no. you know like it's to me it's really cool so like, like i'll see to go super fanboy like cross out the eyes is like the best track on full collapse so. <laughs> I mean, yeah I, I always felt kind of bad about that because they would play and like people would always insist that they should play these like songs from the first lp like no matter like how much you know and it was like oh man <laughs> i got damn it you know like but just to like to go back to you and I, like obviously you mentioned, like during like that time, you weren't necessarily like the biggest band. Like yeah, you were kind of doing tours and and stuff like that. But it's kind of posthumously that people have kind of like discovered it. And as you say, like you've kind of become this influence now. But obviously recently, you did the re-release of the full discography kind of thing. So, yeah, what was the kind of reasoning behind that? And is it just I don't want to say it's like an ego stroke thing, but because like the post hardcore screamo scene is so thriving at the moment, was it a case of like we want to kind of show people where we've come from and and what the like the origins were, or is it a bit? Am I reading a bit too much into it? Um, I I think like people over the years had expressed interest to me mm. uh about doing like a discography and when you're playing in like other bands and you're doing something at the time like you're like i don't really want to put any time and effort into like something i did when i was like 18 yeah. years old right now like i like didn't really um and so like i there had been like opportunities to have it to have somebody put it out like over the years but it was just like deal with this right now and i want to have to like find all the tapes and like do all this it's just i'm just not interested in it <laughs> yeah. um so but um the, the one of the people that runs Re, uh repeater uh, is this guy named seth bab and i met seth bab in like early 2000s and we've been friends for like like you know almost 20 years at mm. this point and he had started a label with his friend where he, they specialized in just putting out stuff that was out, out of print right okay that they liked a lot and so it's like okay well if seth is doing this thing where that's all he does is like put old stuff out that he thinks like needs another press like maybe that's an idea that like seth might be in, in into you know just because like i'd feel weird asking like 
a label that's putting out current stuff to do something yeah. like that because it's like you you have current stuff that you that you should be you know that you want to do like so the fact that Seth only puts out old stuff was like uh maybe he might be into this mm. and so we were talking one day and he just like at like was like oh yeah and if you ever need somebody to put out that old you and I stuff and I'm like whoa okay well uh and it was just like like time and place yeah, like yeah. It, I, I I didn't think of it as like yo kids need to hear this or it was nothing it was more just like oh well Seth is doing this thing now where he represses this and like yeah I guess like this stuff is kind of hard to find on vinyl now mm. so like maybe I should just see if he wants to do this you know and um it also helps that so justin who sang for you and i he plays bass for hundreds of au right yeah yeah so i'm in touch with him right reg regularly and then the other two guys in the band um we were able to get in touch with because we had done a reunion like 10 years ago mm. and we had kept in touch with them and so like the whole like logistical part of getting everybody together and getting all the material wasn't hard. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, all right, like I guess we'll just do this. Mm. Um, I think it was also just sort of like um, I, I wanted um, everybody to have something where it was all in like one like one place yeah, like yeah. that. I guess because it's I, I I had met so many people that were like I have this release and that release, but I can't find the LP or I can't <laughs> yeah. I can't find this or I can't. And it was like, and, and it's really weird because people also they tend to think that you have like a secret stash <laughs> of like yeah. of vinyl at your house. Like they're like, hey, do you have any more of those you and I LPs from 1996? And it's like. No, like, why would I have any of them? Like, it was so. I was like, I here's the thing where I could just be like, hey, you can buy this and have everything. You know, that's cool. And have, have you found that like people that maybe are fans of hundreds of AU and didn't necessarily know about you and I that that have there, has there been any crossover of like people going back and now listening to that, or have you not really found that? Um, once in a while they'll be like like young younger folks who like meet me through like we will play a show and then like they'll go back and like do like a spotify thing and spotify will like re recommend things yeah 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 they'll find out that i was in both bands or that justin was was in both bands and uh i like their reaction because they're always like it sounds like a much like much uh like immature sort of like young version of hundreds of au like, yeah exactly like it's like hundreds of au without the gray hair i guess you know it's like it's like a yeah well before we kind of get to hundreds of AU, the other band that i wanted to touch upon and you've brought them up as well and it was my first exposure of you was capacities and oh, cool the reason I found out about this band was because a good friend of mine put out one of the records, uh, which was Darren from Dog Nights. Dog yeah. yeah. So that was kind of like, because I remember like at the time he was, and still is to this day, like one of the, well, he's now in Germany, but especially in the UK, he was like the only label that was sort of taking a, a punt at like these kind of like emotive hardcore bands, screamo bands and so on and so forth. So like whenever he like, was hyping up a band i was like 
I need to check this out because I trusted his judgment and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I came across you guys. And it was very much like that. I, it was that sound that I was really into at that time. And I think like without, again, this sounding like disparaging, like it was like of a time and you guys like kind of fit that kind of quote unquote new wave of like what sort of like emotional music was at that time. But I don't know, like for you guys, like what was it kind of like being, because going from like you and I, and I know there's other bands in between, but like to be again, a part of like the third or fourth wave of Screamo, like <laughs> what did you kind of, because like this was around the time when like bands like Pianos and Touche were really kind of popping off. So did you kind of get any of that sort of like, extra lift or or not so much um so like at that point that it was happening i feel like like the the pianos touche uh la dispute thing mm. was was uh i mean those bands all played like hardcore shows in like their beginnings yeah. you know but by the time like i feel like they were going in a in a direction that was more like, oh, these are bands that are going to make a career out of playing to, to music at like venues that can hold 3,000 people. Yeah. They're not bands that like we're going to play shows with. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, like I, and it's not to say that I, that I dislike those bands because I, I, I think some of the music that like Touche and Pianos put out are, is phenomenal. Um, but I, but I was like, no, I'm not going to play a basement show with Touche more. It's <laughs> yeah. just not going to be a thing, you know. Like, um, I remember seeing pianos become the teeth like in basements early on, but knowing full well when I saw them, like, oh yeah, in two years this band's going to be like huge, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're going to be playing, you know, like. So when Capacities started um, in New Jersey, uh, where I lived at the time and where the rest of the band lived, which New like New Jersey over the years would have like, you know, uh, a really good scene for a while and then it would drop mm. and it would have a really good scene for a while. But when Capacities started, the whole like screamo sort of John, John, John genre had pretty much died right. uh, there. Like there was no bands that were doing that. Um, and uh, we started started to, to, to play and we would just play with like whatever bands were friends with us you know there was no like screamo bands to like put on like a five bill screamo show with <laughs> yeah. or something, you know like um and and i think that there was something about that about saying like well this music isn't very popular right now but like i don't really care yeah like this is music that, that we all grew up with that we like and like let's just do like our version of it and just play and if people like it cool if they don't like it whatever mm. But we didn't know it was like there was there was sort of like this resurgence that was just about to take place, like right when capacities started, yeah. I think, like at that point, like not too long after that, we had like started playing a lot of shows with like we were skeletons and coma regalia and like these bands that were really, really good that we were like, oh, I didn't know that there's these bands that like have cool stuff happening and like, you know, so um capacities to me like i think probably like was 
a band that like because we were together when that style of music wasn't very big and there wasn't much happening with it uh probably suffered a little bit from like not getting as well known because mm. of that but at the same time like the like being in a band with those three guys was amazing yeah and we traveled a lot and like toured a lot and stuff and had like such a great time and like those three guys are super talented musicians and being in a band with them was like so cool mm. um so like i think what really kind of blew our minds was first time we went to toronto in canada uh m from this band called fox Mulder yeah. had asked us to come up and play a fest there and we didn't know that in toronto like toronto toronto basically had a full-blown like scream like screamo scene at that point and like it had been dead in like new jersey for such a long time and we get to toronto and there's like like we played a fest with like 10 bands and all of them are really good and they were like these like screamy bands and like like I, like we were selling merch like crazy we were just <laughs> yeah. like this is so weird like it was just so strange to us and so like toronto became like like you know how you hear about like new friends fest yeah, and yeah. stuff like that ha 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 happening in toronto like toronto has always had this like amazing supportive group of people there that just like do great things and do great bands like um i don't know like the folks that like Vanessa and like Rohan and Egan, like who run new friends and like uh, two of them play in Respire yeah. too. Like, like Toronto, Toronto's amazing. And like, I think like we had those little moments where we'd hit some place where like Screamo was huge, mm. you know, like, like Toronto or like Santa Cruz, California or something like like, and so capacities had like these moments where like, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But uh, but overall, like capacity sort of broke up right when like this like fourth wave or fifth wave of screamo <laughs> yeah. was like blowing up all of a sudden. <laughs> it was just like. Yeah. But yeah, I like you mentioned in Toronto. Like when I had Egan on, I was mentioned to him about new friends and like that. When the world is back to normal, that is one of the one like the fests that. I'm determined to to get out yes. to because I've just heard so many good, great things about it. I mean, I like it's it's really amazing to see something like that put together, and knowing that like Vanessa, Rohan, and Egan are like such good people, like it makes me feel so much better about supporting <laughs> yeah. it, and just so much more like so like so much more proud of the fact that they were able to do yeah. that. So they. I've been to both of them and both of them were great. So. <laughs> and just in terms of like, as you mentioned, like with capacities, you didn't really kind of know that there was this like burgeoning scene sort of thing. But you mentioned like they're like playing with bands like We Were Skeletons, Coma Regalia and, and things like that. And obviously there are people that, well, Sean is one example that you now do projects with, but like you've played with, there are various other bands and like you've got like people that have you've got to know later on with what hundreds of AU are doing. So I don't know, like I'm not saying that you use capacities as an opportunity to network, but 
did that kind of happen like because you kind of stumbled across this this thing as the latter days of capacities happened that it kind of gave you the avenues of what hundreds of AU would do later down the line um I think yeah like I think like I've always kind of had tried to keep my my foot into like kind of like the DIY screech 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 screamier more creative stuff that's happening yeah. like at the mo mo moment um I think maybe like before capacities I was in a band called Black uh Black Kites and it was sort of like a heavier band that mixed a few different sorts of things into it and we 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 like toured and stuff and I I would we would play with a lot of like screamo bands just because those were the contacts of people right, that yeah, I had yeah. so like um and and so like I knew that some of those people were still playing in bands or some of them were still not necessarily playing in screamo bands but like used to be in screamo bands but are now playing in like fast hardcore bands but we'd still play together because we're friends yeah. you know like um so it's not so much that like it was a networking opportunity because it was like a lot of my friends who were setting up shows and stuff like were some of the same friends that I had met like 10 years before. Um, but, but I think like it playing, playing in a band, I think will always keep me sort of like uh, coherent of like what's happening. Mm. So like, I think a lot of people stop listening to new music because like it's not a part of their life. It's not like something that they're actively trying to seek out. But when you play in a band, like you're playing with new bands all the time. Um, you're listening to new bands all the time because like you're going to the same like media outlets that like those bands are promoting their stuff yeah, on. Yeah. And so like, um, so like I, I think with like, with the case with like, these instances like you know like uh like chicago or toronto like where like i had no idea that there was still a scene there and then we show up and there's like 400 kids <laughs> yeah. there and we're like holy shit this is amazing like those are the times that like i've just i've had like been so surprised but like there's always like somebody just from like 25 years of playing shows and stuff there's always like somebody at those shows that i know mm. that like I'm friends with already, but but like they're introducing me to like the new crowd right, yeah, yeah, yeah. who are like doing bands now and like, um, yeah. So it 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 was it was definitely I definitely remember like people uh, referring to capacities as OG scrams, right? Then. <laughs> and and I. And that was the first time I had like heard that term, and I was like, "What the fuck does this mean? I have no idea what this means." And, uh, oh man, I forget why they were saying that. It was like, they wanted to differentiate like bands that sounded like us from like bands that sort of sounded like what they were refer referring to as wave, yeah, which was a thing that was happening then. And they were like, wave is not screamo, uh, scrams is scream. And we were just like, you know, at this point, uh, this was like 10 years ago, I'm like, 30 something years old and i'm just like i don't know it's cool i just want to play <laughs> yeah. like, but uh but i i kind of just kind of it was sort of just like 
I think that was capacities was the first time that I was starting to feel old. Right. <laughs> uh, because like I didn't know what these people were referring to, but at the same time, super thankful that like these young bands were inviting us in. Yeah, yeah. Like and like inviting these old guys in, and so like when hundreds of AU gets to play a show with like like new bands, like I feel pretty honored about it, you know? Because I'm like, oh, like if I was like some 25 year old kid and I saw me walk into a show, I'd be like, who the fuck <laughs> is this old guy at this show, you know? Like, but like the fact that we're getting sort of like invited into shows to share a space with these mm. folks um is it, that it just means a lot to yeah me that like i'm still able to do this so. i think it's funny that you bring up like the fact that like as you say those bands are called like wait like it was like it was touche wave yeah like touche ladders pianos i think mate doing mend is the other one and i can't remember it's gonna bug me now because i can't remember what it was what they called it now but there was an article recently i think it was by brooklyn vegan that it was like 10 years on since like wave was a thing or something like that <laughs> and for your health reposted it and they were like when wave meets whatever they've called their thing and it's like for your health hazing out um oh fuck I can't oh um callous Dow boys and like see you space cowboy and they've they've now got a term and it's like oh it's it's happening all over again kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i i'm sure that there's like like something is going to get attached whenever there's like bands that are trying to make a career out of being in a band and there needs to be like a marketing sort of thing to yeah it. so like you knew that like touche and pianos and those bands were going to like make a career out of it and so like okay we have to name this thing and so it was called wave and so like i get the impression that like for like for your health and 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 the bands you talked about before like just based on like what they've said like the being in a band is something that they want to do like as a career yeah. and they they don't want to work jobs and they and so like i think generally there's going to be this push to like have a marketing sort of like hey this is what these style of bands are called yeah, now. Yeah. like and it's like and that's going to be the thing so it's like it happened with grunge um it happened you know so like i just think like like that's another one of those yeah. you know what i mean whereas like i i'm sort of like i don't know like is that is that is that what those kids call it these days like you know i have no idea so it can't be so we had over here it, and it was very inspired by like wave bands but we had like a crop of bands that kind of came up around that time and ours was kept called uk swell so that was, <laughs> and like, but the thing is, there, there was a, a record label and they like, as you say, that marketing thing, like they would like have like T-shirts like UK swell, blah, blah, blah. And it was a, it was a thing and it was fucking weird. Yeah. But, that, but like, like, like they're like the hottest place for UK yeah, swell. Yeah, Actually, yeah. You know, something it like, was like, like, yeah, it was a very, very weird time. But yeah, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's weird because it's like, it's there's something like in like inorganic about it to me yeah to like sort of like throw a tag on it like that you know what i mean it's uh i think like growing up in the 90s where like it was sort of like hey like i'm i'm in this band and you're in that band and we're friends so let's play shows together and then like after a while you start to see these shows where like these three bands that are friends are playing together and they create a scene 
and that's like this organic thing yeah. that takes place. Um, nobody walked in with like a focus group and was like, okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> what do we want to call this so that when we talk to our publicist, we, we can figure out like, it's like, and it's like, I totally get it. Like working a job is not ideal, especially in the United States because like minimum wage pay is like a, starvation pay yeah, and yeah. like being in a band and getting to do that for fun as a career go do it but the sort of like hoops and like jumps that people have to do to like get on board with that always kind of strike me yeah, as kind yeah. of funny <laughs> like, <laughs> so then in terms of hundreds of au like you mentioned earlier like people who have listened to that band but then go back and listen to you and i are kind of like oh, it's an, a more immature version of hundreds of AU sort of thing. But like, because you've obviously had all this, these years of experience of like touring, being in various different bands and things like that, when you kind of first started hundreds of AU, was it a kind of a sense of like, you wanted to go back to that sound, but just add that experience to it? Or I don't know, was it just because you're, you gravitated naturally towards it? So I I um I moved from uh in the United States I I grew I pretty much lived in um New Jersey uh my whole mm-hmm. life and at gee uh 37 years old um my wife got a job 3 hours uh north of there right, okay. in upstate uh New, New York and so I moved up here with the intentions of starting a band up here. And when I moved up here, I didn't know like what the scene was like. I didn't really know anybody. And I moved up here and it, I live in um, a city in upstate New York called Albany. Mm. And Screamo and Screamy Hardcore never like made it. <laughs> okay. Like there, there was never like nobody, I would talk to people at shows about these bands and people would be like, now i've never heard of these bands like um there was never any like screech like screamy bands from here there like and it was and i thought about it like i had been in bands at that point for like a long time you know and i had never played up here oh yeah yeah and i and i was like yeah i guess that's weird like none of my bands ever played up there (laughs) like so um there was like no um there was no scene for like that style of music up here um I, have you ever heard of a band called One King Down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like a 90s hardcore band. So they're from Albany. And One King Down is sort of like the hometown. Like right, people up here yeah, yeah. are like s- super proud that One King Down is from here. And they're, and so like a lot of the scene from here is sort of derived from that yeah. style of music because that was very successful. Um, So... Yeah, so I I like played drums in like a like kind of like a D beat band for a little while here because uh, that was like the closest thing yeah. that was like to screamy stuff, you know, and 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 but I was like I kind of want to like write music again, you know, I want to like play in a band where I'm like writing songs and stuff and like so I had to like start playing guitar again, which was unfortunate, <laughs> and um and I found like two guys who like kind of were okay with playing in a band up here and we wrote the first like five songs that sean from middleman put out on put uh, put out on a cassette and 
it was, I didn't really know like what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something kind of like I hadn't written music on guitar in a long time. And I was like, I kind of want to do this. Like when I got prophecy orchid sort of sounding band mm -hmm. and just kind of see just, it's not hard music to play. I just want to play and scream and just have fun. Yeah. You know, I don't want to like write like crazy 10 minute long songs or anything. I just want to like write these little two minute long songs. And, um, and like we played a few shows and I thought, I was like, okay, like this is like something I could see myself like trying, trying to do. Like I could like, uh, try and like play some shows out of state with my friends and like try and like tour and do that and the other guys that were in the band with me were like oh you like want to like do stuff with this band <laughs> like you like want to like I don't know if they saw hundreds of AU as like something that they wanted to put the time yeah, like, yeah traveling yeah, yeah. and touring and doing all that stuff in and uh and so like yeah, so those those guys kind of like stepped back from it at that point, and the band had only been together for like less than a year yeah. by then. And I, and and I thought to myself like, well, I kind of liked like writing music again, and like, but like right now I'm the only one right writing. Yeah. So like maybe I sh I should get some people to play in this band who like also are going to write and like add to this. But yeah, like the plan was to do something that kind of had that like, you know, reversal of man, orchid, you, you, uh, union of Uranus, mm. like when I got prophecy, sort of like less, less like noodly guitar techie stuff and more just like blast beats and playing as fast as you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of how it start started out. Mm. Um, and then Justin, uh, who plays bass in the band right now um he uh offered to pl play bass for two sh shows that i had booked and then he asked john to play drums for those two so john and justin learned the songs they really liked it and were like hey like let's make this a thing so they joined the band and then we got all to play guitar like i think like a month or two later that's cool um but like yeah i mean it's just it, it sucks. I drive three hours back to New Jersey <laughs> yeah. um, once or twice a month right now. Well, not right now, but like when, yeah, yeah, yeah. when we're not during a pandemic. Um, it just because like there's nobody in this area that's like really into this style of music mm. or like really would want to play it or like want to invest the time. And I, I, and I think that's something too, as you get older, it's harder to find people who are like willing to invest time into playing in a band. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, so it's like, and it, it's totally understandable. I think most people my age probably wouldn't have time, <laughs> yeah. but, like, but this is just kind of like how my life is arranged right yeah. now is like, I've always just kind of made time for it. Um, so, and in terms of like one thing that I wanted to touch upon with Hundreds AU is is the aesthetic that you've kind of done with like artwork and and things like that, and it's kind of this like uh like utopia kind of like futuristicy kind of sci-fi kind of feel to it, which I think for like the screamo world is quite different, like because usually it's either like a black and white photo or it's like <laughs> the like 
uh, collage kind of stuff, whereas yours is very kind of clean cut and sort of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like quite polished. So was that kind of like something that you wanted straight from the outset or is that something, an idea that's grown throughout like each release? Um, I am a huge like sci-fi person. Right, okay. Uh, which is something I can openly admit. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, like at the time uh, when I was writing the songs and stuff uh, for the first cassette, uh, I was, I was reading uh, Revelation Space, which is a, a novel by Alistair Reynolds. And one of the characters refers to like being, being in space and like how it's like, it's very cold and it's very desolate. Um, and they're homesick for earth. And they, they ask about like how far away from home they are. And, and it's, the report comes back and it's like, we're hundreds of AU from earth. And like, I was like, it's a great name for a band. I'm grab that. <laughs> so, but the at at the time, like I had moved up here, and uh, like we moved up here in October, and by November it was just like snow and gray and cold, and I I just missed my friends mm. a lot. I missed like my like 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 the community of people that I would normally hang out with. Like I was feeling very like cut off and homesick. And for the cassette and also for the, for the first LP, um, I wanted sort of like these space landscapes that would sort of uh, com communicate this idea of like, lone, like lone, loneliness yeah. uh, and sort of being like in this sprawling landscape just by yourself and like no one else around and, and sort of... Uh, using like space to sort of communicate that idea. Mm. Um, and so that that's kind of like where the, where most of the artwork I think kind of came from mm. um, is kind of like taking that idea of like space as a, as an isolating place yeah. and uh, how the isolation maybe you feel in, in your life is, is uh, relationary to that. Mm. So. And yeah. something else that I found, like, with your music, and specifically on Mission, is that, like, and I think this might be something that's kind of come with time of, of playing music over years and stuff, but everything seems to flow organically. Like, okay, yeah, there's obviously individual tracks, but, like, if you're to sit down and listen to a record as a whole, it flows, like, comprehensively. So was that the idea? Because I think, like, and I, this isn't me bashing any other Screamo bands whatsoever, but I think, like, there is a trope within Screamo of, like, we've got this song idea, this is that song, we'll move on to the next. Whereas this feels like you've kind of thought of the the whole collective. So I don't know, is that the case? Is that something that you put time and energy into? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when... We will like write, and I think I I've probably done this for quite a while. Like I guess if you listen to like like the first you you and I uh, have it have an inch. Like it's it's like there's a side A and a side B, but it's like and they have two songs each, but it just seems like one whole piece yeah. on each side. And like I think 
probably at that point when like I figured out like how to do that, how to be like, okay, let's arrange these like songs in a way to where there's just, it just sounds like we just go from one song to the next and the flow is very like coherent. Um, once I realized like that that's, that's something that appeals to mm. me. Um, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be coherent of this, like from now on. And like, so it's, it's something I've always tried to do. I think sometimes it works out better than not, but like, uh, like with communications. Yeah. Um, we wrote all those and then sat down and I like put all the songs back to back and played it for the band it was like what do you think of this like to and I think we made a few little changes like we swapped one or two but like that's always and for J J J J Justin uh as well that's something that me and him just see eye to eye mm. on is like like if you're if you're gonna put on an LP like I I don't want I I don't want it to be like like disjointed or yeah, weird yeah. for the person to hear it I wanted to just like just flow mm. you know and uh so i'm i'm pretty humbled that you caught on to that <laughs> because that's something that like we're so like we want to make sure that 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 we can do that so that thank thank you that's so cool <laughs> that's to hear you say that <laughs> like and like you mentioned earlier obviously because you've been in bands like for for many years and stuff and and there are like all these like new like quote-unquote younger bands coming up that like you've kind of you said like you've been invited into their their space kind of thing but also like i think it works both ways in like these younger bands are excited to see what you're doing next kind of thing so especially like now because as you we've mentioned at the beginning of this conversation like you guys have a new record that is going to be coming out fairly soon so and there are people that are looking forward to that record that are in like these again younger bands so is that quite a strange thing to to be part of? Is that something that you like you're excited by that people are still excited by music that you're producing? Um it's it's very uh it it fills me with a lot of like grat gratitude I think to to um I <sighs> so hard to explain um <laughs> it's i i found that like i've never really had like the tools to like take compliments well right, yeah, or yeah, to yeah. like really grasp like like um and um my my wife who um is extremely like supportive of my music when i first met her um this was like 2000 2010 2011 when we met mm. And uh, we were like out to eat after a show. And uh, Black Black Heights had just played with this band called Run With The Hunted from uh, Arizona. And, and the bass player, while we were out to eat, found out that I was in You and I. Okay. And, and was just like, dude, you were in You and I. Oh my God, you guys were like my fit. And he just like went on this whole thing. And like, I was just like, yeah, I it was a long time ago, man. I like I just like I couldn't it was like hard for me to like absorb yeah, yeah, how yeah, yeah. like the fact that this meant something to him and I think maybe just like like 
I've had to work on this a lot, like psychology, like of understanding that like as a person, like something you do might have value to somebody else. And like, that's a hard thing to like, to like, to engage with and not get caught in some kind of like arrogance trap yeah, of yeah. like, well, yeah, like, of course, something I did, you know, like, like to feel like, so like, um, like try, and, and so my go-to was just to be like, no, it couldn't have been that big of a thing to you or like, no, it's not really that big of a deal. And we left that, that night, we got in the car and my wife was like, dude, when somebody gives you a compliment, like you need to engage with them because like that dude was so bummed oh, that no. like you did not and and to me like i didn't i didn't even it just went over yeah, my yeah, head yeah, yeah. like I didn't, and she was like look like like pete like you have to like like i understand like you don't want to be like arrogant and you don't want to be full of yourself but like at the same time like if somebody says to you that something that you did means something to them and they're trying to like be earnest and honest with you and talk to you about this like you need to respond to that you need to like give that like value and you need to talk to them and like and she helped me like so much that's really to, like, cool develop that and uh and so like that's that's one of those things that like i've i've had to get better yeah at, yeah you know what i mean and and at 42 years old i'm still not great at it i'm still <laughs> like when like people are are like compliment something i did like it's it is still hard for me to like to take that oh you that, yeah yeah like, oh, I, thank you i'm exactly uh, the same like when as 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 somebody that does an amazing pod podcast See, no, thing, you know, like, i'm sure people say that to you all and you're thing. like ah i'm i'm just yeah, doing my thing exactly you know? like, it's just sort of like, <laughs> it's like yeah okay thanks yeah, <laughs> yeah you know it's because it's like i i would have written the music and played the music regardless uh if it came out on record or if i played to 50 kids or 10 kids or whatever like i would have done it but like i i think what i wasn't prepared for is like yeah 20 years later somebody's gonna be like oh that that meant so much to mm. me or like oh i'm so stoked that your record's about to come yeah. out like it um it is it is hard uh, and i think also too a lot of that comes from like the 90s of, of like growing up in the hardcore scene in the 90s which is sort of like an anti rock star mentality yeah like yeah and anti sort of like it's very like pro diy like hey i'm just like you uh so like rather than compliment me on how you're stoked on my stuff why don't you go start a band and it'll be just as good yeah, like, yeah. like you know like like there's like this line that you have to learn to balance of like yes i want to like give value to what this person is saying to me and, and i want to understand that like something i did meant something to them but at the same time i don't want to be like a jerk and like <laughs> yeah or ever ever again and, and let and let that go to my head you know like um so yeah i think with the hundreds of at ulp that's that's about to come out though it was like this year was so tough and writing this record was such a task mm. that when we finished it there was like there probably was like a substantial amount of pride in actually yeah. getting it done yeah. and um and also looking at it as like a vehicle to like get us through the year yeah. that like there is a little bit of like hell yeah i'm stoked for you to hear this you know like <laughs> yeah. because like 
it was a, a terrible year and this record like got me through it and i'm stoked that you're going to hear That's it cool. like so there there is like a little bit of like excitement about that for sure that's yeah. cool well just to kind of bring the conversation back full circle obviously we started this talking about creating music file sharing and something that you've done very recently and i'm probably going to get the name of this wrong so i do apologize is is, is it chore data chore data with with sean oh yeah yeah uh so Sh sean this was like one of those things where sean had written drums and guitar and he had or i'm sorry they had uh like 12 songs done, yeah. i think or 11 songs done and they they got in touch with me and were like want to do like this 90s emo acoustic thing like what what do you think of that and i was i was like all right well sure <laughs> and uh and Sean gave me like free range you know like I I played bass on it but then I was also like I want to put some like cello mm. and like violin on it and stuff and like uh just gave me like free range to do all that well stuff. that's why and I then... wanted to bring it up because like for anyone that knows either of your musical output it's very like it's still sort of punk and screamo at the heart but it's musically and sonically very different from stuff that either of you have done and I know, like, lyrically, a lot of it is very personable to Sean. But for yeah. you, like, what was it like kind of, like, flexing that muscle and tr trying something a bit new? Like, as you say, you're 42 years old. Like, not, not saying that you're stuck in your ways, but, like, to have that ability to still try something new and get excited about something new. Um, I, I think, like... <sighs> As I got older, I, I started to think about like, what are the types of bands that I've never gotten to play mm. in? And like the types of music that I like that like, I've always wanted to do a project that sounds like this or sounds like that, or, you know, um, so like, like I did like a, like a 15 minute, like, like stoner doom thing with my friend, Steve. Like I did a, like a thrash thing with my friend, Nathan, like, uh, and like, Sean was like, hey, we both really like, and it was like all these like 90s acoustic bands. Yeah. Uh, they were like, we both really like these bands. Like, did you ever want to do something that sounds like that? I was like, hell yeah, I want to do that. Like, um, so like, I think like what's been cool is like, like with the file sharing and stuff like that is it takes you out of this traditional sort of thing where like, Oh, I want to start a band like this, so I have to find five people that can play this style yeah, of music, yeah. get them in a room together, and do it. Like the whole file sharing thing is like Sh Sean will just be like, "Hey, you want to do a band that sounds like this?" And I'm like, "Hell yeah!" And then like a month later, Sean <laughs> sends me ten songs. And like, um, and the same thing with like the other prod projects that I've done like uh, in this past year. Like, like I, you know, um, like I have a I have a band that kind of sounds like like 80s washington dc like rights of spring oh, nice. race type stuff it's called every scar has a story and um and that was the same thing like i just like wrote the songs and my friend wanted to sing on them and he sang on them and like so like getting to do all this stuff that i never got to do before because like 
that conventional sort of like way that you put together a band isn't uh isn't something that stops you now. yeah yeah like you could just like so Sh- sean and i like we we definitely like love like all these sort of like 90s like karate and the secret stars and um ida and we had talked about doing a band like that for like a really really long time and sean just one day was like here's a bunch of songs and i was like all right let's do it and uh it was awesome it was really cool to get to get to do that and that's the thing like i i don't know sean overly well but like we've had conversations and stuff and for for them to put something out like this was like i don't know it felt like a bit of a curveball in some aspects but like the way it's come out is incredible and i think it's just i don't know it's just nice to have something that's like a little bit of like spice from you you two that's a bit different and it's oh, like it's, it's unexpected and nice i guess <laughs> I think I think it 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 comes down to what you were saying before. It's like 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 uh, like if people like look at the bands I've played in, they they probably think I'm just like some guy who sits home and like listens to Jerome's dream and wears all black all day and like you know like <laughs> like I'm a person you know and like I I, uh, I listen to a lot of different music and like I. But but on the other hand, it's like you know, that's totally like I, you know I like I'll yeah I'll I'll think of like guitar players that I really look up to and be like oh they probably only like this but it's like I don't know if I if I talk to some of them I'd find out that they really liked like music I wouldn't expect yeah 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 definitely and so or or they'd actually cite things as like influences I'd be like wow, you're influenced by that? That's crazy. I never would have thought of that, you know? So, like, for me and Sean, the first two records by this band called Ida, they came out in, like, 1995, I think, 94, 95. Tales of Brave Ida and I Know About You. Those are the two LPs. They're just, like, from start to finish, like, amazing. And it's just, like, acoustic indie folky kind of stuff and it's just like those two lps like sean and i just always had like a love for those two you know like we just loved them a lot and we were always like yeah we one of these days we need to do something (laughs) yeah cool well tom i've taken up way too much of your time but um obviously we've mentioned hundreds of au record have you have you got a date yet? Because I know when we first started talking, just to set this uh, up, we you kind of said yeah roughly. But have you got um, a date set, or is it still up in the air? So we approved the test press. I want to say, oh god, end of January. Mm. So I figured about now we'd probably start to get it. But then somebody let me in on the fact that. Uh, a lot of the pressing plants are having a little bit of a backup because of things Um, so the last last thing I saw said said uh, spring and so I'm not sure what spring (laughs) April I mean it's March 17th now as we record this so let's let's say let's give it another three weeks how's that uh, <laughs> that's cool so, um, um i mean as 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 you can tell i haven't moved into the 
the pro band as a career uh street date yeah uh and all that (laughs) stuff uh that's cool um and how I like to, to round things off is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So what's your favourite Hundreds of AU song that you like to play live and why? Uh, we have a song called Throughway, and we usually close with it. It's like one of the songs on our second LP. Um, it is the first song that the band wrote in a major key. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and so I... I look at it as like an accomplishment. That's cool. It's the first time, first time I wrote a song in a ma- major key, and uh, and all the all the pieces just fell together. Perfect. Brilliant, Tom. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, it's been excellent to talk to you. And uh, I've been such a big fan for a while, I'm so it's, really, it's really crazy to talk. That. To you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, like really, like you've been kind enough to send me the the record. I I can't wait for everyone else to hear it. Like it's yeah it's really fucking cool and hopefully we might meet face to face one day we'll keep fingers crossed new friends fest yes 2022 (laughs) we'll make it happen perfect tom thank you very much my friend thank you so much it's been excellent to talk to you take Take care. care So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Tom for taking some time to have a little chat with me. Uh, as always, you can keep up to date with what hundreds of AU are doing on all various social media platforms, which will be linked in the description notes. Um, and as also mentioned in the chat, hundreds of AU will be having a new record coming out in the near future. Um, hopefully, maybe towards the end of this month. We'll wait and see. But as I said, Tom has been gracious enough to let me hear it, and it is fucking rad. If you like Screamo, you're going to love this record. And honestly, Screamo's having a great year this year, so get into it. Have like Yeah, just get into it. Um, that's all I'm going to say for this week. Um, as always, just a couple of plugs. Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash justaninsightpod. Uh, first episode of Give It A Spin is up. They will be up every first Sunday of the month. It's a radio-style show where we play tracks that I discover through Bandcamp. Speaking of Bandcamp, the charity sampler is still up, obviously collecting money. The first donation to Heads Above the Waves will be going in on Monday. So uh, please, if anyone wants to support that any further, then give us some money, I guess. <laughs> um But yeah, obviously we'll be posting up about that as well just to sort of show where people's money's going. Um, And lastly, if you like what you hear on the show, then please rate, subscribe, review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. It really, really does help. Um, And obviously follow us on social media, just underscore and underscore insight on uh, Instagram and Twitter and then just an insight podcast on Facebook. Um, But that is it for another week. Thank you again, everyone, for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast, and I will see you soon.